This podcast includes discussion of material surrounding trauma, and we acknowledge that the content may be difficult. As always, we encourage you to practice good soul care and reach out to someone if you need support. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode two of season four of the Mindful Marriage Podcast. My name is Brock Yonke. I'm the lead care and support pastor, and I'm joined by the effervescent Tara Wiedemeyer. Tara, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you, Brock? And Tara, uh, I, I kind of stole your introduction a little bit. Tara is a licensed professional counselor, and I've added, so usually people are called LPCs, but Tara's an LPCE. What's that? Licensed professional counselor extraordinaire. Oh, gosh. Yeah, so Tara is... Sorry in advance, folks, for Brock's <laughs> humor. Tara is really uh, a person that deeply appreciates uh, my humor. Um, it just You can see it in her eyes how happy she is when I try to be funny and do my dad jokes. And so thank you, Tara. For, You're so welcome. Yeah. Thank uh, you. Yeah. Uh, so if people have any questions for us as we go through this thing, we do have our own Gmail account. That's right, folks. Which is pretty exciting. We're hot stuff. We are. We're big time. <laughs> so if you have any questions or uh, would like for us to go in any certain direction or just we didn't explain something well enough uh, or we didn't mansplain good enough, as Tara likes to say. There will be no mansplaining no. here, hopefully. Go to mindfulmarriagepodcast at gmail.com and send us an email, mindfulmarriagepodcast at gmail.com. And also today we will have a graphic that we'll be talking about. And so you can check us out on Instagram, or as the kids call it these days, the gram. <laughs> Is that what they call it? I don't know. I'm so out of touch with that. So Hera's, Hera, Tara's a little <laughs> bit more of a hipster than I am, so she might know. But, IG, the gram, you know. Yeah, okay. Whatever. Yeah. So if you want to go to socials. Instagram, go to uh, Mindful Marriage Podcast and you can see the graphic that we'll be talking about today. Um, and so this season, we're spending some time talking about our past and traumatic events or hurtful events or painful events, stressful events that have taken place in our lives and how we don't realize it, but that how those can have such an impact upon our present thoughts, behaviors and relationships. And so we're big believers that we need to go back and look at those things and find healing and find some uh, growth in those areas so that it doesn't, so we can behave better and live better today. Uh, and so that's why we're going back and looking at uh, some trauma a little bit. So Tara, um, just in, in a quick recap. Mm -hmm. So as, as you think about uh, the power that can, trauma can have over our present. How, well, how would you, just like in a quick tarot way, how would you define trauma for us again, just as a quick recap of what we looked at last time? I think you told me my definition before was a little uh, pithy and <laughs> overdone last time, but... I don't think I use the word pithy. Well... Isn't that a hat, a pithy hat? I don't know what that is. Okay, go no. ahead, go ahead. Okay, but basically, um, trauma, there's a wide spectrum and it does not help to compare our experiences or how we respond to them with other to other people. But it's an event or an experience that we have where there is a negative impact on how we function and the symptoms that can come with that. And so that can be from a single event. That could be from multiple stacked events, um, prolonged, you know, exposure and experiences, or just, you know, a one-time thing. But... It, it affects like our health, our well-being, and our emotional and mental state. So a lot of times we might have behaviors that we're experiencing. We're like, boy, I wish I didn't have that behavior. And it may be linked back to that traumatic event. And so to say, hey, stop doing that is really probably impossible to say to someone until they've done some work 
to figure out about that event. Is that correct? It definitely can be true. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And then you mentioned a little uh, a bit last time about a tiger <laughs> chasing us. Um, and there was a pancake restaurant when I was a kid that had a tiger chasing people as the graphics. That's what I think. That's exactly what we were going to talk about. Good. Okay. So pancakes and tigers. And so tell us a little bit about the tiger and what you meant by all that. And let's explain that just a little bit more. So before I get into that, I just want to reiterate that this is a pretty broad, well, very broad, very deep and somewhat complex, um, topic. And we could go a thousand different directions. I could talk about this for hours, but we're trying to really just hit the high points and give you um, an overview and a little information to help, you know, like grease the wheels, get you guys started or a little further down the line in your journey. And so we can't go everywhere I would love to go. So again, if y'all have questions, please let us know. But also know that this is, if it ever feels dismissive or, you know, you're like, well, that wasn't my experience at all. But I mean, I've experienced this traumatic event. I completely understand that. And I just wanted to throw that out so you don't feel hopefully dismissed or not seen um, or validated in this. So Super well said. Um, so the tiger. So basically, fight or flight, we've talked about like flipping our lid before, that kind of stuff. But I use the analogy a lot that if a tiger is chasing us, like the way that we are designed – um, whether we like it or not, this is this is God's design, and it's a good thing. It's something to be grateful for, even if these experiences are unpleasant, like a tiger chasing mm-hmm. us. But so in general, kind of like if a tiger is chasing us, we aren't going to be like, oh, what a pretty little tiger, and like want to pet it. We are going to either run away, try to hide, climb the tree, turn around and shoot, something like that. We're going to that part of our brain takes over so we can stay safe and hopefully alive longer than we would if we did not move into that state. And so when we're in that state, um, it's not long-term thinking. You're not making, you're not logical and rational. That part of your brain, when it takes over, it's just to keep you again alive and safe. So if a tiger is chasing us, we want to fight or flee. But if that tiger and the tiger being the event or a traumatic event or experience, right? Or not even necessarily, but like scary, um, anything that like shakes our sense of security and kind of sets off that that warning um, to our brain. So if a tiger catches us and is standing over us about to do his thing, then we move into another state where our bodies and our brains literally start to slow down and shut down chemicals are released, um, hormones are released, and that way we don't feel the pain or the fear that we would feel if we didn't move into that state. Mm. Um, and that's the dorsal vagal state. And, you know, I'm not going to nerd out on this yet, hopefully, but like it is, it's kind of like when a possum plays possum, you know, but we're not playing at all in that moment. Like it is, it happens involuntarily. Um, and again, it's to, it is to uh, support us, assist us in not feeling pain or fear maybe even to keep us alive because depending on what the threat actually is, not necessarily a tiger here. Um, like if we're in a relationship with an, an abusive partner, then if uh, like we try to hide or um, stay really small and shut down and don't fight back, they might actually leave us alone. And our chances again of staying safe or safer in that moment 
are increased. So when you're saying that, so we're comparing difficult events that happen in our life, our body's designed in a good way to give us protection, the ability to flee, the ability to fight back, the ability to shut down and protect us. So those are good things. And then based upon events that have happened to us in the past, we have certain, do we go to those events a little quicker? I mean, like, like if do you go into fight or flight? A yeah, because quickly? based upon your trauma, like, so like if you were in, in, in some type of combat or something like that, and you hear some noises or things going on that you might go back to that like your body gets, if you've been through a traumatic experience, your body goes back to those experiences a little quicker. Is that? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, so and like, it can even, so we get stuck in those positions sometimes, or sometimes we just visit them more often. Mm-hmm. And that's where it becomes problematic. And we're probably looking at trauma. So something that happened, whether it was last week or, you know, six years ago, if you're still getting triggered by those things or you're moving into fight or flight or the shutdown state and you're not actually under threat Mm -hmm. or in in an unsafe situation, but your body and brain are telling you that you are, that is a traumatic response. So that seems to be the issue then is that's a good thing when there's really definite traumatic experiences. In the moment, it is a great thing. What happens is we get in our our bodies or our brains or however you would say it uh, gets in a rut where we might be having a disagreement with our spouse and our, our body might take us, our nervous system might take us to that spot where we respond in a way that's not appropriate for that circumstance. We might think it's a fight or flight when we're really just having a conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. So if that's happening and you're getting triggered, like you use the example of like somebody who's seen combat and they come home and they're living a civilian life, you know, a, like a lot of veterans I've worked with do not like fireworks Mm -hmm. or, you know, um, they sit and they have to face the door, have their back to a wall, like just different things like that. Um, they're hypervigilant, always scanning the room. Um, just, you know, different things that help them feel more secure. That's when a lot of times they're stuck in that fight or flight and they're ready to go all the time. But when that happens and your nervous system is stuck in that on position, your body is not able to do what it's designed to do day to day. And so that can cause health issues, mental health stuff, like um, inappropriate or unwanted emotions, trouble in relationships, whether it be from trust or different things. We start to see it play out because trauma is an emotional, physiological, physical, biological, like they're neurological, like it affects every part of us, mm-hmm. whether we want it to or not. And it may not be 24-7 in all facets of our life, but at least some. So it may be good for one arena, but then in the context of maybe in an interpersonal relationship, it may be not great for that arena. And But yet to say, hey, stop doing that in this interpersonal relationship arena is really bad advice because there's something going on here that's beyond my control that I, I just, I'm going to go into these uh, different uh, sets of emotions different or feelings, states, different yeah. states. And so if you go to the to the gram, to Instagram, we have a picture on there, and this is called the window of tolerance. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the window of tolerance, basically, if you're unable to look at it now, there's uh, it's got like three different levels here. And so the middle uh, zone that we're talking about is the, the comfort zone, and then there's arenas off of that. So if you're not able to look at it, but Tara, if you could explain to us the, the window of tolerance diagram and why that would be sure. helpful for us for trauma. So the window of tolerance, so on this graphic, it's in the middle, um, but and it's the yellow box. The, the window of tolerance, sometimes called the rest and digest state or your comfort zone, 
it's the cool, calm, and collected place. That's where we want to be just in the day-to-day living and functioning. That's where we're not highly stressed out or anxious or angry. Everything is, we're resting and digesting the way that we're supposed to, meaning like our hormones are where they're supposed to be as far as like cortisol, adrenaline, different things. Um, And we are able to self-soothe, regulate our emotions, think logically and rationally, make long-term plans, that kind of thing. So Tara, I, <clears throat> I read a little bit, you know that, I'm a big reader. And so one of the things that uh, I read a lot of psychology today, and just don't know if you've read this research or not, but this idea, this comfort zone where you're calm, cool, collected, connected, emotionally regulated, a lot of uh, professionals are now calling this the Brock zone. Have you read this information? I haven't, but it, the research could be so new that <laughs> well, yeah, I need to check it out. It could have just happened. I mean, this research. And so, but basically when you're in the comfort zone, you're able to, you're in a good spot. You're, mm-hmm. you're able to regulate your emotions. You're feeling good about things. You're just, you're able to think logically. This is a good, this is yeah. a good spot to be it's like, in. It's like psychological flexibility. Okay. Wow. That's fancy. All right. Uh, and so what causes you I guess, to get out of that window? It's just, is it events that come from outside or just how, what causes you to get out of that window? Um, lots of different things. I mean, that list is exhaustive and everybody's is going to look different. But one thing I want to make sure everybody hears is that it is okay to leave your window of tolerance. It may not feel pleasant. Um, and you may not want to in certain situations, obviously, but we all are going to do it throughout our life. We just need to know that, hey, we've left that zone or that state, and here's what I need to do to take care of myself to get back into it okay. when it is safe to do so. Because remember, again, when we leave it, sometimes when there's truly a threat or something going on, when we leave it, it's to keep us safe and alive. So it can be a wonderful thing, but also it could be. So, for example, uh, and you know, I've, I've had this conversation before. We've even <clears throat> aired an episode where we had a battle about me and time. Mm -hmm. So if I am feeling uh, like we're on time and things are going well, I'm in this calm, cool, collected state. But if I start to feel like I'm going to be late to something, I get a little, uh, uh, I don't know if it's the right term or not, but I get emotionally flooded where I can feel this a ball of emotion like, oh my gosh, this is not good. And I know that when I get in that state, a lot of times the words I say, the actions I say, I can be short with people. So that's so. What you're saying is we need to be able to be aware when we're outside of that zone, so like we can begin now to find healing for when we get out of that zone. Would that be a decent way to look at that? Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes there, there's you know, it's short lived, um, and we found ways to self soothe or compensate or you know, some things to kind of like reset and find homeostasis again. Or sometimes we might need to take a break, walk away, and work through whatever till we can get there. So in this graphic, if we go up to the hyper-aroused state, uh, the fight-or-flight responses, there's a lot of actions tied with when we get to that state that aren't positive uh, actions. And so I want to check out, an, I want to throw out a new word that I've been working on lately, and I know you've used this word before, but it's a new word for me. So we become a little maladaptive mm-hmm. when we get to that state. Would that be a good use of that yeah, word, maladaptive? Definitely. Look at me. Good job. A yeah. plus. Yeah. Yeah. So you asked, like, what are some things that can get us out of this, knock, this, knock us out of this zone or state? And that, again, it could be different for everybody, but chronic stress, health issues, traumatic events, a good example is like a vet, uh, like somebody who has seen combat, like mm-hmm. in war. 
um, when they're in that zone, literally, like no pun intended, that you've got to be on your toes. You've got to be like protecting yourself, keeping your back to the wall, scanning around you at all times. And a lot of times, even when those guys come home, they, they're still in that state and they, it, they're stuck in that on position. And so that doesn't serve them well anymore as a, as a civilian. And so there's work to be done. And so sometimes too, like depending on what we're really talking about, and I'm kind of skipping ahead here, but sometimes because this is about the nervous system and just our overall mind body connection. And a lot of times we see this with like the, when it's already moved to like into a disease state and with health issues and stuff, if there's been enough damage to the system or to your system already, um, and depending on when you start to do this work and find healing, I don't want to say it's irreversible, even though that's what a lot of research and doctors will tell you and stuff, like people who have actually like diagnosed diseases Mm -hmm. from different things. Um, But, you know, we may never be able to fully reverse it or get to see what that looks like fully healed, but we can definitely, again, increase our awareness, um, improve our symptoms, manage it better, hopefully stay in our, find a way to stay in our comfort zone more frequently or for longer periods of time as well. So different things, though, can, you know, knock us out of it. When we get knocked out of it, we're going to either move to two different states. Um, And so the sympathetic nervous system is the fight or flight. And so that's what Brock was talking about with like the hyper arousal. So in that state, everything speeds up. That's when we are more combative, aggressive, anxious, um, you know, people can struggle with addiction, impulsivity, think just all kinds of different thoughts, behaviors, emotions. And so when we're looking at it from a marriage standpoint, more, again, aggressive, you're, there might be higher conflict, less trust, people are not as aware of their tone, um, more it, short-sighted. It gets difficult. And so when it comes to trauma then, so we're in our comfort zone and based upon our past experiences, things might touch on that trauma and remind us of that, or our bodies might go back to that because we think the tiger's chasing us. And all of a sudden, just little things might send us into this mm-hmm. arena, this hyper aroused arena. And all of a sudden, boy, out of nowhere, we're behaving in a way that, oh, boy, I wish I wasn't behaving this way. I wish I wasn't responding this way because trauma is just triggering us to go to that state of behavior. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, this is involuntary and subconscious at first until we start to pay attention and catch stuff. But even then, like, we could really quickly, like, get triggered. And then then we're like, oh, that's why. And so we can speed up our, not speed up, but we can become more aware of that and catch it more in the moment. But these are involuntary responses. We're not choosing to be necessarily aggressive or distrusting. It's this, the it's and again, it's super it's complex. The body. It's, yes, our body holds on to, it remembers. It's like muscle memory, but Here, it remembers the tiger all of this. That's yeah. responding. So, like when I tell really good jokes, it t- attaches into your trauma of not feeling as important as me, and so there you've turned into this rage monster. Is that would be a perfect false? Fun. Oh, false. I just I'm sorry. I I just was that was the narrative <laughs> in my head. And so that we go into that fight or flight response. But there's also on the other side of that graphic, there's the freeze response. There's ways we can go to that are also ways that we respond when it touches our trauma that aren't behaviors that we would like to behave in. Correct. This is like the dorsal vagal state um, when you're looking at it through the psychology lens. But this is this is that possum playing possum. Feigning death is what it's called sometimes. And so 
we can dissociate, we can shut down, we can try to make ourselves as small as possible, disconnect, isolate. We're just not, we're not fully present. Um, Our mind and body are not communicating that feedback loop. It's been dysregulated. So this is, when you stay in that fight or flight or that, that sympathetic part of your nervous system long enough, you can, it can also lead to this, this freeze response, this chronic dissociation, um, this dorsal vagal state. And so that you could, you know, people can move in and out of these two. Like you don't just have to stay in, you know, one and that's like kind of your go-to, but we can kind of move when we're looking at it from this graphic standpoint, which you guys can't see right now. Uh, I'm sure they can. We haven't gone to the Instagram. Well, well, yes. Okay. But that might make more sense, but we can, you can move kind of, you fluctuate and you don't always, it's not always again by choice, obviously. Mm. So it's just important to pay attention to like where you're at and as frustrating as this can be when we go into these states or even scary, it's so important to find a way to just kind of meet yourself where you're at, be able to be patient with yourself and find a way to self-soothe and get safe. Maybe even before you try and reflect on this stuff to figure out how not to like to want to change before you start changing things. So if I were to, to summarize in my own terms what this graphic means to me, the comfort zone is when we're in that spot, we're in a really good emotionally regulated s- space. But then it's so easy because of past experiences or events or things that happened to us to jump out of that to places where we're behaving in a way that we don't want to behave. And so a large part of it is just identifying that, hey, there is this these two states, the hyper-aroused and the hypo-aroused state. Maybe we're fluctuating between. And, and then realizing that we can't necessarily just say, hey, stop doing that behavior. There might be some other things connected with that that are causing us to go there. So the first mm-hmm. part is just being aware they're out of that comfort zone then trying to say, how can we maybe expand or widen our comfort zone to get better at those things, but also being aware of why these things are happening and also giving ourselves a little grace that maybe this is taking place. And man, I might've been in church and the pastor might've said, hey, stop doing that. I'm like, okay, I want to honor God. I want to honor Jesus and do this, but boy, I can't. And so now we're realizing maybe the path to really honoring God is by going back and doing some work so that I can deal with these things a little bit better because it's uh, something that's been ingrained in who I am. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes what when we really get into this and dig deep, we find that like we're, we're when we talk about like getting triggered and like different things and like people will say all the time, like, I don't want to, you know, this is not how I want to show up. This is not how I want to be. Like, I'm so sick and tired of this, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. But we've got these negative or limiting beliefs about ourselves that are really at the root of some of this from that trauma. And until we, re- we can identify that and heal it, we're going to keep getting triggered in the same ways. Yeah. And so it it can feel overwhelming and exhausting and tedious. I totally get that. There can be healing in these areas, but it it's hard. And so I think that's part of it too is just when people decide to really do this work, again, as frustrating as that might be and they want a quick fix and all of that, like that takes a lot of courage and grit to mm-hmm. be able to sit with that and figure that out and give yourself permission to even go there and do the hard work, and that counts for so much. And it's really honoring God. I mean, because you think about when the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans, he said, the good I want to do, I can't seem to do. Mm-hmm. That's what we're talking about. It's like, you may have all the willpower in the world, yeah. but I can't seem to do this because maybe there might be some things that need to be healed. And so we go, need to go on that journey of healing uh, with talking to someone and figuring that out and going to the Lord and saying, Father, help me understand 
some of these events from my past and how they're affecting me and let me find people that I can trust and go on that journey with so I can do the good that I want to do, so I can treat my husband or my wife the way that honors you and they need to be treated. But until we go on that journey, we might be stuck in some patterns of behavior that we keep saying, man, I didn't want to act that way. Mm -hmm. And so it's really a, a trust um, in that healing and a trusting God and a trusting in God's people working together to find a, a place of healing. And so I think this graphic is really great uh, to look at our, our our comfort zone and then to see, man, well, we like to be there. We don't like to be in these other places, but maybe we need to do some work in order that we don't keep going back to those places. Yeah. And if you're really, if you, you find yourself in a, in a situation or you're experiencing something that is actually really scary or it is unsafe or you're being threatened, and we move into those states. Some people get, even get frustrated by that. But one of the things I try to encourage and remind my clients of, and even myself, it's, it's when we go into that state, trying to, you can be frustrated, absolutely, or you can you know feel X, Y, Z. But even trying to be grateful for that, like recognizing how cool is it that my brain and body are trying to protect me. Yeah. That's how I was designed. And so thank goodness for that, even if it stinks. Because if there's a real tiger, you're going to be grateful. Right. And yeah. so, but it's, it's so cool, but it, you know, again, difficult. And so, but that comes down the line. But um, I just think it's, th this is a very complex thing. Everybody's journey looks so different. And so self-compassion and patience and recognizing like my journey is going to look a lot different than the person next to me it's important to remember those things and strive for that. Yeah, and give ourselves some grace. And one of the things, last things, um, to the right of that comfort zone, it says ways to stay in the window of tolerance. And it kind of gives some ideas that if you feel like you're getting out of that window, and obviously we encourage, you know, going to the Lord in prayer, worship music, mm -hmm. uh, just all these things are so helpful to help you just be mindful and be in that moment so that you can be in a mindful marriage so that you can treat the other person the way that you'd really like or they deserve to be treated. And so... Uh, I think this graphic is incredibly helpful. And so I think my main takeaway from, Tara, all your expertise today is to think being aware about this comfort zone and getting out of those zones, and then also knowing when I'm getting out of those zones to just uh, be careful about that and say, maybe, get, like you said, giving ourselves some grace when we get out of that, that, man, I've tried so hard my whole life. Maybe there's a reason why I can't get out. So let's go back on that journey and figure out if we can, mm -hmm. we can navigate that a little bit better. So, yeah. Um, so Tara just pointed and said, I need to say one more thing. And so I was getting ready to do my famous wrap up, but I will, I will pause on that. So ladies and gentlemen, Tara Wiedemeyer. No, I just wanted to reiterate, because we didn't talk much about um, the parasympathetic nervous system um, earlier, which is again, that window of tolerance or the rest and digest. And a lot of people are like, why does this really even affect my nervous system or my health? Mm -hmm. And again, super complex, which I could have like hours just to talk about this part alone. But that part of our nervous system is responsible for so like all, our our vital organs, the function, how they function, their well being. But like our heart rate, our blood pressure, our hormone production, digestion, insulin production, even body temperature, immune system responses, social engagement, all of this, like everything. And so this is truly a mind body spirit mm -hmm. connection. You can't address one thing and isolate the others. Like it is. It's, it's not just it all comes together. It's a package deal. It's not just affecting emotions or it's no. everything. Yeah. And so it if you struggle with any of the things I said, which again, that there's so many more, but and you're like, well, I don't have any trauma. Okay, maybe not. But even just looking at like 
when I when I get triggered or like those things start to like, let's say my heart rate goes up or my blood pressure is going up. And if you don't know the root cause, I would encourage you to just maybe just open the door, take a look, see if there's anything maybe behind it that's causing that or that you could find out more just to, again, meet yourself where you're at and find some well, be healthier and find some more wholeness and health there. Yeah, I agree. And I think, again, the old stigma that if we need to do some of these things and that means there's something wrong with us, I think that's such a bad stigma because it is so connected. And so every one of us needs to go on a journey to find healing, not just to say that, hey, look how great I am and so that we can treat other people and honor God because I really love it in the scriptures when Jesus said, um, if it, I would sum up the whole commandments like this, love the Lord your God with all your heart and just as important, Love your neighbors as yourself. And so we're doing all these things so that we can treat other people with kindness and forgiveness and dignity and respect. And, and if we don't go on this journey, I have, I'm of the opinion that it's going to be impossible to ever get there. And so, Tara, thank you so much for your uh, amazing expertise and so for being the LPC, LPCE that you are. Um, and so that's it. That's a wrap on episode two of season four the tiger chasing episode. So Tara, thanks. And we'll see You're you. You're so welcome. Uh, episode three. All right. See you guys. Right, bye guys. <laughs>